Good morning. Today's reading will also be from Hebrews. It's chapter 13, verses 7 through 17. Hebrews, 7, Hebrews 13, 7 through 17. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of, the, of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Good morning, church. Tim caused me to think again this morning when he said it's a privilege to stand before you. And for those of us who preach God's word, we understand it is a privilege to stand before God's people, the church. We also understand the responsibility that we are given when we do these things. Because these are not our words, but they are words of God, and to him be the honor, the glory, and the praise. I'll apologize right now for my voice. I'm having trouble. I started losing it yesterday, and I'm hoping it will stay with me for the duration of this morning. We might as well face a hard fact. We're sheep. Isaiah, God, through Isaiah, says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Isaiah 53, verse 6. My wife and I both grew up on farms, so the care of animals is not strange to us. I have fed them, cleaned up after them, and I've even helped them to give birth. Stacy's farm was somewhat different. Because she remembers when her dad, Irvin Woodrow, kept sheep. And she said different times, sheep have to be the dumbest of animals. Always going astray or getting lost, easy to deceive. Where one goes, the rest follow. In short, not the brightest of animals. The point I want to make is most of us who are sheep, our followers. Very few of us are natural leaders. And yet leaders are of great importance, a fact that has been true since the beginning of time. Several months ago, I felt the need to preach on the 
topic of leadership. So today's the day. For those of you who might be taking notes, there's three points, which in the school of preaching they say you should have three points in your sermon. This one has three points. First point, the need for leadership. And that need permeates all of society, every part of society. Let me give you some examples. First, I want to talk about the home and the family. I want to go right back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, just after God had made Adam, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And then as you drop down to verses 21 through 24, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now in the Hebrew language of which the Old Testament is written, The word for man is ish, and we would spell it I-S-H. The word for women is ish-sha, reflecting the fact that woman was derived from the man. And I think there's a great mystery in there how much we need each other. Neither one of us are here without the other. And I think that is a wonderful, wonderful thing that God has done. But that word not only means the woman was taken from man, but it can also mean, come from a root meaning, to be soft. And all of us who are men know that our wives are softer than we are, right? And so it could mean that as well. But as a result of Eve's giving in to temptation, God said in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16, Your husband shall rule over you. You see, each of us have God-given roles during this life when it comes to family and the family's well-being. Each of us are male and female, and God has appointed different duties to us. However, it is not my responsibility to talk about the role of men and women today. My purpose today is leadership. And my point here is that God has appointed the man to be the breadwinner and the supporter of his wife and his children and a specific leader in the home. And that, by the way, is a very heavy responsibility. If you want to have a little more in-depth study, you can read Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22 through the end of the chapter. But the home and family, secondly, Leadership is important in schools and education. When I talk about principals and vice principals and teachers and educational assistants, we recognize that they all have the roles. And even as kids, before we understood the importance of leadership, when we got in trouble in the classroom, where were we sent? To the principal's office. And that journey was never one that we made with much happiness. Because when we got to the principal's office, we knew who the leader was. And we didn't have to be told or have courses in leadership. 
in the workplace. For those of us who are in the workforce, we know that no matter what kind of work we do, we recognize that there is structure and responsibility. There's a line of authority all the way to the top of that organization, to the president of the company. And if you've ever been disciplined or fired from a job, it's always by someone who is higher up on the food chain. And if you have been one who has had to fire someone from a job, you recognize how difficult that responsibility is. Even if the person decided or, or deserved to be fired, you recognize when you have to do that, that that's not a pleasant, a pleasant thing to do. But we recognize leadership in the workplace. We also recognize the need for leadership in government. In every country of the world, people recognize that the country has to have someone to lead that country. The need for leaders. Some of those leaders are loved and respected. Some are hated and feared. And if I were to name names for you today, you could pretty much, pretty much decide who the ones were who were loved and the ones who were hated and feared. But I won't go into that. All you have to do is watch the evening news, and you can see that. But many people, and it makes me think of, of Glenn's prayer this morning, many people, including myself, have great concerns over the man who holds the top job, not only here in Canada, but also just recently, the newly elected president of the United States of America. Politically, in both countries, I think we have a scary future. But I'm not a politician, and I'm not here to discuss politics today. My point his leadership is so important. And in the spiritual realm, in the church, that also is very true. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 27, the Apostle Paul says, And now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not apostles, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you, a still more excellent way. And so in the church, we recognize the great need for leadership in the body. And also in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 3, Paul says, For through the grace given to me, I say to you, every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each measure of faith. And let me just say this, in leadership, those who are in leadership had best understand their responsibility. 
to not think because they are leaders that they are so important, that they're all important. They are not to think more highly of themselves than they ought to think. And that could be a lesson to many, many politicians and the present ones uh, right at this point in time. For just, in, in the church now, for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, we could say today, if preaching, in proportion to the measure of that individual's faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. These are the qualities of leadership. The importance permeates all of society. Secondly, there are some examples now of people who would not follow leadership. And I go once again back to the fall of mankind at the very beginning in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve disobeyed God, their leader, and sin entered this world. And the result of that disobedience of not following their leader, death came to all mankind. Death, both spiritual and physical. That goes right back to the first couple that were ever on this earth. Let me go further of people who refused leadership. And I want to talk just for a few moments about the Exodus, when God called his people out of slavery in Egypt, when he sent Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh with a very simple message, let my people go. And that message came from God, and God showed Pharaoh how often that he was in control. God, I mean, was in control. By the, the miracles, any sane individual should say to themselves, hey, this individual is much more powerful than me. Maybe I had better listen to this message. But what did Pharaoh do? He disobeyed the miracles ten, ten different times. And then... The, the plagues and all of these other things, the plague that resulted in the death of the firstborn. And I could go on about different things there, but I just want to, to read Exodus chapter 12, verses 29 and 30. Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle, even the beasts, were affected by this. And Pharaoh arose in the night, he and his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home where there was not someone dead. A great cry. Can you imagine the grief, the wailing, the mourning, 
that took place right across Egypt and right from the highest person, the president or the prime minister of the country, whatever you want to call them, to the person in prison, in jail. And even all of the animals were affected. Thank you, honey. Everybody suffered. Everybody mourned because of the disobedience of the guy in the top job in Egypt. Let me give you another example of Achan and the taking of the, of the city of Ai. In Joshua chapter one, uh, 7, beginning of verse 1, But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully. In regard to the things under the ban for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, took some of the things under the ban. Therefore the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up. Only about two or three thousand men need to go up to Ai. Do not make all the people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men from the people went up there, but they fled from the men of Ai. You don't have to take many men. It's going to be an easy job. Mistake. And the mistake was because of the sin of Achan. Thirty-six men dead, and says the hearts of the people melted and became as water. See, their courage failed them. If this had continued, the Israelites would never have taken the promised land. Because this man did not listen to the leadership of Moses. But they would never have taken the promised land. If that had continued. Now, just as a little bit of an aside, I'll chase a rabbit for a moment. The promised land is where we, Christians, are heaven, are headed. We are going to that promised land of heaven, but only if we remain faithful and obedient to the Lord and we follow the leadership of God. Well, as you know, the rest of the story, Achan's sin was found out. And just like all sin of the unredeemed and the unrepentant and the unsaved, just like that, for those individuals, sin will be found out. Listen to the words of Jesus. Luke 12 and verse 2. There is nothing covered that will not be known. Romans 2 verse 16. God will judge the secrets of men. And Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it be good or evil. Now, I don't know if you have ever been told by someone, no one will ever find out. When you are being tempted to evil, no one need know. Just you and me. And some of these politicians who take bribes, they think nobody is going to find out. For those who get involved in 
either immoral conduct or dishonest conduct. No one will ever know, or maybe your conscience, I can do this because no one will ever know. Let me tell you, that's the devil's lie. And the devil was a liar from the beginning because these verses say everything that is done against God, if a person is not forgiven of those things, they will be found out. Every act will be brought into judgment. And everything that is hidden, whether it is good or evil. But back for a moment to the sin of Achan. Listen to what happened because he did not follow the leadership of Moses. Verse 22 of Joshua, sorry. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent. And behold, it was concealed in his tent with the silver underneath it. And they took them from inside the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the sons of Israel, and they poured them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the mantle, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that belonged to him, and they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that stands to this day. And the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore the name of that place has been called the valley or acre, which means trouble, to this day. The results of sin and disobedience are far-reaching, as you can see. On the other hand, and thank the Lord there is another hand. On the other hand, for Christians, sins are forgiven. I love the verse in Psalm 103, verse 2. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I also love the one that says, remember not the sins of my youth against me. My final point is leadership in the church is God appointed. The Apostle Paul on the first missionary journey, when he was in the area of Lystra, Antioch and Iconium, in Acts chapter 14, verse 23, said, says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they believed. Now, the Bible talks about appointing elders in these cities, different places. This is just one of them. The qualifications of elders and deacons is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and Titus, chapter 1. The qualifications for elders is that they must be above reproach. In other words, they must have a good reputation, not only from those within the church, but those of the world, those outside the church. An elder must be faithful to his wife. He must be temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, Able to teach, 
Not a drinking man. And that means alcohol. Not a person who loves his alcohol. Not quarrelsome. Not a lover of money. A family man. A man who can exhort or encourage in sound doctrine and refute or stand against or disprove those who contradict that which is true, that which comes from God. And so these individuals need to know God's word. And they need to have the courage to stand for what is right, for the truth, even when people find that not to be what they want. Let me give you an example of spiritual decision-making. Found in Acts chapter 15, some of the early Christians were trying to impose Jewish customs and religious practices on new Christians. It says Paul and Barnabas had great dissension. Great dissension. Think about that for a while. That was a heated discussion, folks. It wasn't something that they just had coffee and joked about. It was a heated discussion between those who were trying to impose Jewish customs on the new Christians, the advocates of Jewish law that had to be part of Christianity to them. But Paul and Barnabas had the courage to refute that, to stand against it. But here's the point that I want to make from this. In Acts chapter 15, verse 6, it says the apostles and the elders who had been appointed in these churches. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. The short and the long of this is that a decision was made, and that decision was this, from the apostles and the elders, that we do not trouble those new Christians who are turning to God from the, among the Gentiles. Acts chapter 15 and verse 19. Now, I have worshipped with congregations, and I have preached for congregations who have not had elders and deacons. And I remember one time as a young preacher, and this is going back probably 40 years, almost on the nose, that I was in the congregation I was in where there were no elders. We were facing some false doctrine that was being advocated by an individual. And that had to be addressed. And one of the men of the congregation said, Vince, we are standing behind you. And my thought, when that was said to me, and I remember this so clearly, even though 40 years have passed, my thought was, I want you standing shoulder to shoulder with me. We are blessed here at the Central Church of Christ, to have elders to watch over and to direct the work of the church. I can think of no better way to close these thoughts regarding leadership than words from Scripture. The first one comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Here's Peter. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, 
not under compulsion. It could, could also be described or translated as exercising overs- oversight. Not, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Not yet, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples of the flock. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn over to First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Paul says, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. And Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders. Obey your elders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. I made a a note in my study Bible opposite this verse that basically literally Yield to your leaders and be submissive. And the reason for that is they keep watch over our souls and they will give an account. Let us help them, our leaders, to do this with joy and not with grief. And finally, let us remember to pray for those, our elders and our deacons, who lead us. Thank you for your attention this morning. And there may be some here who have not yet named Christ as their Lord and Savior. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, there's two gates, there's two ways, or two paths in life, and two destinies that we are all on. Maybe someone here this morning has been taught about Jesus Christ, but has not yet made the decision to make him your Lord and your Savior. And so if you have not, now is the best time, because we may not have tomorrow. And so if you have not obeyed the gospel, if you wish to repent of your sins, And to name Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Will you come forward as we stand and as we sing?